Welcome to the Songwriter Connection Podcast, where we look at the craft of songwriting through the eyes of the songwriter. Each week, we make a connection with a music maker, listen to their songs, and hear their stories. From Nashville, Tennessee, here's your host, Dave Lenahan. As always, thank you for the listen and the download. If you're on YouTube, you know the story. Like and subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Songwriter Connection podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 25, and we've got the Hall of Famer back. Kent Blazy is with us. Hey, Kent, how you doing? I'm honored to be back. It's always fun. I guess I didn't offend you enough last time, huh? Talking about uh, that Garth guy and stuff. It was close, but, you know, you, you got to be uh, thick-skinned here in the music business. So. Yeah, you do. Listen, I want to tell you, if you missed that episode, it was season three, episode three. Okay. And it was back in April that we published, and uh, it was a great episode. And, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that one, too, because we got Kent Lazy's story there, talking about getting into that uh, songwriter hall of fame, which is, you're still riding high from that, I'm aren't you? I'm still riding. I still pinch myself. Yeah, yeah. man. <laughs> that is so great. And we talk about one of my favorite stories is uh, you know how you and Garth wrote uh, If Tomorrow Never Comes that's that story is just absolutely amazing I know it it just shows you that this town and I'm not the only one that has experienced it but there's magic and miracles you just never know when they're going to show up every single day right yeah yeah it's pretty cool I do want to thank our local sponsor which is the Mark Allen Barnett Tours Uh, Mark's a good friend has been a great mentor to me Uh, we're heading down to the uh, Songwriter Festival in uh, Gatlinburg uh, this week we're uh, taping this episode August the 17th for a September 14th uh, uh, publish Uh, so maybe you know in uh, future shows we'll talk about the Songwriter Festivals which I think is a pretty cool thing. And if you're a songwriter, I think you should, uh, that's something you should aspire to do. Uh, so that's going to be cool. But anyway, Mark Allen's tours, uh, there are a lot of tours you can take when you come to Nashville. The thing about Mark Allen's, if you are a songwriter, you know, he's going to take you in. He's going to introduce you to industry people. He's going to take you around. He's going to work on your performance, work on your songs. He's going to write with you. And um, he will do a lot for you. He'll they, you know, up your game three to five years in just uh, one of these tours. Check him out on our uh, Facebook page. If you go to the Songwriter Connection podcast, podcast Facebook page. There's a little video that Mark posted about what he does on his tours. And you can also check out his uh, his webpage, which is markallenbarnett.com. Uh, you don't choose music. Music chooses you, as Mark says. And if that isn't the truth, I don't know what. That is the truth. <laughs> yeah. And it's Allen, A-L-A-N, Mark Allen Barnett is E-T-T-E. So thanks, Mark. For, appreciate all you do. So back to you, Kent. Man, you got a new record out, and it's pretty cool. I've been listening to it since it's come out, and uh, it's got a little something for everything. You've got some rock and roll in there with some uh, with important messages that I think uh, it, it, it does homage to uh, your uh, Woodstock roots a little bit. But mm-hmm. you also got classy things like Twilight Time. And, um, and you talk about um, very... Uh, biographical autobiographical songs like the title cut Mm -hmm. uh you call this album for the birds right yeah kind of an homage to them for me being where i am today yeah you know a couple weeks back we had uh hits and grins on that's steve dean and and bill white and victoria veneer and steve and them have a song called if it wasn't for the beatles well (laughs) they blame it on the beatles right right. well you know um, and you uh the birds that really really got you there right yeah you know everybody that i know just about started playing guitars because of the beatles Uh but for me it was the birds it It took that sound of that 12 string to get me going yeah rickabacker 12 string right oh man it's just yeah it just pulls you right in it pulls you right in and there's no other sound like it there really isn't yeah and mcguinn really got a totally different sound he was way ahead of 
uh, everybody else on electronics and stuff. And mm-hmm. so most people can't make the Rickenbacker sound like that. The guy who comes the closest is Mike Campbell from Tom Petty. He's got uh-huh. it nailed, you know. And, and Petty's covered two or three of the Bird songs. Petty so I loved think. them, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, I saw, uh, I think it was Netflix or one of those um, streaming uh, shows. I want to say, I can't remember exactly which one it was, but Petty was um, uh, narrating it. And uh, he talked about Rickenbacker guitars and, and, and picked one up on the show. He called it Rickenbacker. And I, right. I never heard it that way before. And I, now it's got me wondering, is it Backer or Bacher? I guess it's whatever you choose, tomato, tomato, right? Whatever. I think yeah. uh, the guy's name was German. And, uh-huh. you know, so some people <laughs> called it one thing and one called it the other. And, yeah. you know, I always kid that if Bob Dylan and Roger McGuinn have a kid, it would have been Tom Petty. <laughs> yeah. Because he took the sound of both of them and melded it together into what he was. Oh, that's Pretty cool. That's right on, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I even heard Paul. McCartney at times talking about when the birds came out with that sound mm-hmm. you know they go oh well, we gotta figure out what that is we gotta do, go in that direction a little bit so. well you know and what it was was uh, McGuinn saw Harrison playing a 12 string Harrison got the very first one and it was in A Hard Day's Night uh-huh. and so McGuinn kind of tracked it down and found out what he had but Harrison didn't know how to make it sound like McGuinn like made McGuinn it did. sound you know it yeah. was kind of more of a backup thing where McGuinn's was this is going to be what the sound is and yeah. so they had built-in compressors and everything else in that Rickenbacker and it just stood out I know a lot of people are going to go back and listen to Turn 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 and mm-hmm. you know and Mr. Tambourine Man yeah <laughs> Eight Miles High Eight Miles you know, High oh my gosh feel yeah. a whole lot better when you're gone that's a great one <laughs> absolutely so let's play this uh, the title cut from, from your CD I'm going to play uh, from the record uh, this is uh, For the Birds Kent Blazy and, and this is a solo right for you, but it's 11 new tracks on this record. Right. Uh, you have a co-writer, we're going to be talking about him, but this is your solo writing. Um, this is For the Birds on the Songwriter Connection podcast. Ben Kent Blazing's our guest.
so many allusions to uh, birds and bird songs. It's all about the birds. It's, it's all about the birds. Or the birds. B-Y-R-D-S. That's the new CD from Kent Blasey. Hall of Fame songwriters with us around the dining room table today. And uh, that new record is available on your website, right? KentBlasey.com. Mm-hmm. iTunes, Amazon. All of them. All, all of them, I guess, anymore. That's yeah. what you got to do. That's what you got to do. But I hope that you will buy a physical copy of the record. You'll want that. Well, you know, CDs still sound better than anything. Yeah. Except you know. for maybe vinyl. <laughs> yeah, except for vinyl, but <laughs> I'm a vinyl guy. I can't afford to put it on vinyl. I hear you. It is expensive. <laughs> and I, they're backed up like six or eight months because so yeah, many people are. are doing that. Yeah, they Crazy. are now. They're all going back to the vinyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking about it on my new project, but like you said, it's expensive. Yes. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the production of that of that uh, song. Now, I know you have your own studio, but you, you didn't record that. Where, did, where did, was this recorded? And um, uh, This one was recorded at Garth Studio. At Garth Studio. And okay. um, he was nice enough to let me... Be, get in there and do it and uh-huh. um he uh he's got a great studio that uh alan reynolds had and um he okay. turned it into his studio and um lets me use it when i want to and yeah. so we went in i was lucky enough to have two of the guys in john party's i was going to say you had some players on this didn't yeah. You? yeah john party's guys they played on the uh authentic record too uh-huh. and um because John wasn't out on the road. So now he's out on the road, and I can't get him till November because oh, I'm ready great. to do another record. Yeah. But um, And then Steve Allen was a, a big co-writer on this, and he was also the other electric guitar player on this. Mm. And um, I call it our COVID records. I did three records during COVID. Yeah. But Steve and I started writing during the Authentic when I wrote Thanks to You with him, which was uh, the title cut on that album. And... Um, so when COVID hit, nobody wanted to write with anybody, of course. And then Steve lives like five minutes from me. So that helps. He would yeah. come over and he would sit outside on the porch and I would stay inside and we would write through the screen door. <laughs> oh yeah. And then we got where we would both wear a mask and be six feet apart. And then we got where we would be six feet apart. But all this time we were writing songs and Steve was in a big pop group called 2020 which was really big in the 80s. You can go to American Bandstand and see him on there with Dick Clark and stuff. But he writes anything, and so I can run any kind of idea by him, and he's up for it, which is pretty cool. Because in Nashville these days, people go, well, I don't know who's going to record that, you know? And I'm kind of like, I just love writing what I want to write. And so I can throw any title out to him, and he'll... He'll go, yeah, let's do that. Let's you know? write so, that. Yeah. Let's find a twist on that. Yeah. And so that's really cool. That's so cool, yeah. We wrote most of the songs on the record together, and uh, it was just fun, and it's always fun recording with them. He plays in my live band, mm. and I've had John Party's guys doing it till John went out on the road. So now we just have done some shows with a new bass player and drummer, and they're fantastic, too. We did a sold-out thing at the listening room, and then the next nice. night at the Bluebird. So. Wow. Two of the best venues here in Yeah, in and I just love playing electric guitar, so I got to do that. Did you? Yeah. Play electric on it. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. And I'm doing Did you play the Rickenbacker 12 string? <laughs> no, uh, Steve's got the 12 string, and so I let him take the lead on that. Yeah. And um, he's such a great guitar player that most of the time I'll give him the solos, you know, and I'll maybe play an answer to him or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, there you go. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool indeed. Now, you know, to have that connection in a co-writer, I, I think that's a special mm-hmm. feeling. Because sometimes you get in a room and you do a lot of co-steering. Exactly. But to have someone like that that you can connect with and, and seem to have a song every time you sit down, come up with something. And that's that's, that's rare, isn't it? It is very rare. And, you know, part of it is 
uh, I call him my brother from another mother because yeah. he kind of grew up uh, in the same time period as I did. So I can mention, well, let's do something like the mamas and papas, and he yeah. knows what it is. Or if I go, let's get a petty thing on there. Or let's do, you know, he's just, yeah. he's locked into all of it. And he plays with the long players, which I don't know if you've ever heard them before. No. But uh-uh. uh, it's Bill Lloyd's group, um, okay. but it's all studio musicians. Wow. And they only play at Third and Lindsley, but they always do uh, a vinyl record. Nice. That's why they're the long players. So they'll do like ah. a whole Tom Petty or a whole Birds or Buffalo Springfield or Rolling Stone. Like beat. do a whole side? Do a whole That's, album. Well, I've got to see them. <laughs> yeah, you got to see them. I mean, the problem is they're so popular that you got to show up like at 5 o'clock for an 8 o'clock show oh, man. and sit there because otherwise you're going to stand up the whole time. And Do they promote in advance which, which they're, what they're going to do? They do, yeah. 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 Oh, I'd love it. Usually about a month in advance. I think the next one's in November. But uh-huh. um, just and they bring in um, like Marshall Crenshaw may come and oh, sit wow. in, or uh, one of uh, the people that played with the McCartney or something <laughs> like that. It's always really great people they bring in from out of town to sing and play. And that is so cool. Yeah, absolutely. Very very cool. Um, you know, uh, you've written so many hits over the years and we were just, uh, I was just looking again, um, again, songwriter hall of fame, Kent Blazy, uh, just some of the songs that come to mind if tomorrow never comes, which we've talked about ain't going down to the sun, uh, comes up. And I remember the first time hearing that on the radio, I was working for P105 and, uh, Cincinnati, our morning guy, uh, Jim Fox and Bubba Bo played that as we were driving and I can't remember where we were driving, but they played it and it just blew us away. I mean, you know, my wife and I are in the car and it's, it's like the, the fastest thing we've ever heard. And, and they come on laughing going, I, I think he needs to speed that up a little bit. <laughs> it's just, you know, just a fantastic song. And, of course, a, a big, big hit. And um, you've had other hits like, um, well, you know, uh, one of my favorites was Getting You Home. Right. Uh, people call, call the Black Dress song. Right. It, uh, what a sexy song uh, by uh, uh, by uh, Chris Young. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought it would be really cool if you could play that for us, too, and then we'll get back into your new record, yeah. which I really want to talk a lot about. So. You know, and the funny thing is I wrote this with uh, – a great co-writer friend of mine and Chris it was the first song we ever wrote together uh, Corey Batten oh Corey Batten yeah okay and um, so when we were working on this it was one of those days like you were talking about uh, nobody liked anybody else's ideas yeah and uh, <laughs> what else you got right <laughs> yeah what else and so it's kind of uh, it's frustrating because Chris needed a hit but he also uh, if he didn't have a hit he was going to be dropped and so there was that pressure of, can we write a hit for him? So he, was he in the room too? He was in the room, so, yeah. Okay. And nobody liked anybody else's ideas. Uh-huh. And one day, uh, about six months before, Corey, who we've been writing every Thursday since, I don't know, early 2000s, um, he always gets hungry. Mm. Every songwriter's starving, you know, so I'd fix him organic hot dogs. <laughs> uh, it's not an oxymoron, but it's it sounds such like a thing. It. Yeah. But, um, one day he had his head in the refrigerator getting out the mustard and the relish and stuff, and I heard him saying, uh, all I can think about is getting you home. And I said, wow. what is that? He said, I just made it up. I said, here, sing it in my phone. <laughs> wow. So here we are with Chris, and um, we got nothing. So I said, well, let me find this idea. So I played it, and Corey said, well, I love that. And I said, yeah, it's your idea. Mm. And Chris said, well, we don't have anything better to write. Why don't we write that? So we started writing, and we got to um, walking through the front door. And nobody could think of what rhymes with door, (laughs) professional songwriters that we are. And so I said, how about seeing her black dress hit the floor? Ooh. (laughs) 
They hated it. They hated it. They turned on me like vipers, and Corey said, you're just a dirty old man. Uh, well. I said, well, yeah, I won't, I won't argue that. And Chris said, I want to get on the radio, not kicked off. And oh, man. So, you know, I thought it was a great line, and I'd had pretty good luck with standing in the kitchen with nothing but an apron on, you know. That's how I went number one. And, yeah. And so uh, I said, okay, you guys come up with something, and they didn't. So um, we took a lunch break, and I fixed them hot dogs, and Corey was looking around the room, and he said, you know, he's had some pretty good luck with risque songs. So Chris said, well, let's put it in there. Put it in there, mm-hmm. finish the song. Did a little guitar work tape of Chris singing it at my house and uh, took it down to RCA. And they said, we love this song. We want to cut it next week on Chris. So I'm like, okay. Sure enough, next week they did call. And they said, we cut it. We love it. It's going to be the first single. But we got to change something. Mm. Not that line. Well, they said, we like the title of Getting You Home, but in parentheses, we want to call it the Black Dress Song. What? So I felt like the dirty old man got vindicated. <laughs> yes, he did. And then when it got to be a hit, people knew it as the Black Dress That's Song. That's the Black Dress Song. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you just never know. Out of a refrigerator comes the number one song. People calling up radio, and, and that's why they'd ask them. I yeah, want that I want Black that Dress song. song. That's like, uh, yeah. yeah, you never know. You never know. Tuxedo waiter, black tie, white tablecloth, and red wine. We've been planning this night, looking forward to it for some time. Well, honey, I know you love getting dressed up, and you know I love showing you off, but watching your baby blue eyes. Dancing in the candlelight glow Well, all I can think about Is getting you home Walking through the front door And seeing your black dress hit the floor Well, honey, the sure ain't nothing like you loving me all night long. And all I can think about is getting you home. I don't need no menu. No, I don't. I already know just what I want Did I hear you right? Did you tell me? Go pay the waiter and let's leave Well, honey, I know by that look in your eyes In your hand drawing hearts on mine Our night out of the house ain't gonna last too long when all you can think about is getting me home a walking through the front door and seeing your black dress hit the floor well honey the sure ain't nothing like you loving me all night long and all I can think about Getting you home Walking through the front door And seeing
seeing your black dress hit the floor. Honey, the sure ain't nothing like you loving me all night long. And all I can think about, well, all I can think about, well, all I can think about is getting you home. Wow, what a great song. So well written. The Thank black you. dress song. And almost didn't, it almost ended up on the cutting room floor. Pretty much. You know, I don't know what we would have done that day if it wasn't for that. Unbelievable. What a great story, Ken. Chris is such a great guy. Yeah. Um, you know, I've read currently, uh, recently on uh, on the Facebook page, a fellow songwriter playing down at a bar on Broadway. And there wasn't a lot of people there. They were playing to tables and chairs, just him and a buddy. Right. And he said, yeah, I'm not going to blow my voice out for Furling. But every now and then they sing a song right and um chris young comes walking in he goes i was listening in the other room and i just want to make sure you guys didn't get nothing today because i like what you do and you got a good voice tipped him a hundred bucks i love it yeah and he's done that kind of thing in the past well he's been there you know he's done that he knows what it's like when Mm -hmm. nobody's listening isn't it cool Mm -hmm. yeah now you wrote that um co-wrote with the artist and and another one how important today i mean see that's that seems like the writer the writers today want to write with the artists and there's a reason for that isn't there? well what's happened was and this was kind of pre this whole thing that's developed in the last 10 years or so but Mm -hmm. um it's always been better if you can get with an artist and back in the 90s especially it was a lot easier to get with artists but what Mm -hmm. happened was when cds stopped getting sold yeah uh all the mechanicals disappeared yeah so trying to be a songwriter and live on mechanicals was impossible so the record labels came up with this 360 idea they get a portion of everything right they they own everything yeah and so when an artist gets signed they want him to write with who, the people that they own part of, so everything, all the money's right there in the yeah, same thing. And I can see. Like so in, there's very little outside song states. It's hard, isn't it? No, and you know, yeah. the thing about Garth that I loved, and, and other, Chesney's great McGraw, but mm-hmm. um, half of every record of Garth's was outside songs, yeah. so he had to dance, and he had friends in low places, and Shameless, two of a kind, right. that he wouldn't have had, and they took him to another level. Uh-huh. And I don't see them looking for outside songs like that now. And so by trying to make more money, I think they're making less money. Because mm, if you, if you could do a great song like The House That Built Me or I Drive yeah. His Truck, it seems like it's going to push your career that much further. But And we talked about on the last podcast, uh, Drive Off the Road songs, I think you called Exactly, yeah. that's right. It was impact songs. Yeah, and, and I really don't hear those as much these days. So you that know, could the, be the reason why we're hearing less of them, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the sad part is, like, I love the men are young writers. And yeah. the last call I got from three of them in 2019 was, hey, I got a record deal. Mm. Never heard from them again. Wow. Because once they get a record deal, they're told who they have to write with. Isn't and, uh, they, you know, they're not strong enough to fight for who they believe in that helped them along the way. And they don't want to rock the boat that they, early. No, yeah. they don't want to rock yeah. the boat. They yeah. don't want to lose their record deal. Hmm. And so uh, it's kind of sad, but it gets to the point where you go, why am I doing this? So yeah. Yeah. during COVID, that's why I basically started just writing more by myself. and, mm-hmm. and What you want to write? Yeah, write what I want to write and not have to, to deal with that kind of thing. Hmm. I've heard other songwriters have that same 
horror story. You know, yeah. writing with a young up and comer gets signed and then they never hear from them again. Uh, it's it's crazy. I it mean, is. But that's yeah. that's the nature of the of, of the business today too. So you teach them for three or four years, and mm. you know, yeah, on to the next thing. You know, and that's the cool thing about Garth is the loyalty that mm-hmm. he has for the people at the beginning. Oh, yeah. That I don't really see that anymore in, mm. the, in the people coming up. You know, it's yeah. like uh, he stood up for what he wanted to do to Jimmy Bowen when he could have lost his record deal, and uh, yeah. you know, be, because of that. Bowen respected him, so there is that part of it that maybe you got to take a chance and do what you believe. And Absolutely. It's yeah. uh, interesting times. It really is, and you talk about the mechanical royalty. So there's two ways that songwriters get paid, mechanical royalties and royalties they get from airplay uh, and streaming, but that's very little, but, um, but from airplay, especially radio. So if you've got a single, um, it used to be, you can make a living with a, a a cut on a Garth Brooks album, right? Exactly. If that thing right. ships fourteen million, uh, and you've got uh, mechanicals on, that's a nice payday. That is, and and you know, a lot of people uh, had a really good living during the nineties when just oh, about man. everybody was selling at least gold or platinum. And yeah, um, these days they don't even know what platinum is much. They but, add all these different figures yeah. in, and yeah, it's like you, okay, you, yeah. I got a million streams on Spotify. Well, my David, those were sales. You know, it, it would be platinum, but uh, nothing on you know. But uh, it's interesting that that you say that, and and in uh, uh, so and so darn true. Um, wow, there was a point I wanted to make there, and I forgot, but it'll come to me. Okay, <laughs> I got you. The mechanicals we were talking about <clears throat> not being there anymore uh, and getting uh, royalties from from radio. So today, you really want to have the single. Because you've got to have a single you have if you're going to make a living. Yeah, and hopefully that radio is going to play it and it's going to get spun a lot. Right. And, and so that's basically what uh, the record labels know. So they want mm-hmm. any single that they have to be where they own it all. Yeah. And um, It's not about the money, right, Kent? It's all about the money. <laughs> it's all yeah. about the money. <laughs> that's what my friend in Ireland says. It's not about the money. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it's all about the effing money. But uh, yeah, so but that's, that's, that's the unfortunate thing today. Uh, do you see it ever turning? Will it turn? You know, everybody says, well, it's going to go back to what it was, 90 countries. It's mm-hmm. one of the things I keep hearing from all these young artists. Well, that's say. the point I wanted to make. You just hit it. Yeah. Like, isn't it funny that uh, today the 90s country is the hot thing, right? Right. Yeah. But they say they want it, but they really don't want it because they really, you know, it's, it's weird. It's a... It's a weird time. It was a special time. I was a DJ all through the 90s uh, in that country. It was just absolutely nuts. Uh, And people don't realize. But, you know, even us lowly disc jockeys with the radio faces were rock stars. Oh, yeah. It was amazing and uh, a wonderful time. And And now there's hardly any uh, DJs that are rock stars anymore. uh, (laughs) They don't want that. No. Uh -uh. And, uh, you know, I mean, we grew up where if we... When an album came out, a whole album, we would probably sit down and listen to the whole thing. And oh, a yeah. lot of times, what wasn't the hit became our favorite song. And, oh, yeah. Uh, these days, I think everybody just pretty much downloads what the hit is. Mm-hmm. And so you can have a cut on, say, a Tim McGraw album, but if nobody downloads it or plays it, you don't make any money. So That's it's a, a so, weird time. And, so and I don't know how it would shift back uh-huh. because you know, Spotify and all these people, they don't want to pay us. We just won no. an increase we did. last month. Yeah. And they like, said, well, we don't have the money to pay it. Oh, and you know, it's been in court for two years. It's like, why don't you set the money aside in case? Yeah. And so now it's probably two more years before what they owe us will be paid to us. It's, and it, 
That's insane because that is a billion dollar industry. Yes. Multi billion dollar industry. They say the average person at Spotify makes like 165000 a year, but they can't pay the songwriters right. for their songs. I'm on the soapbox a little bit here. You know what else is else? Why are you mentioning that? Else is fair. Coming from the radio industry, having friends that own radio stations, what they pay in royalties is uh, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's based uh, like even little tiny radio stations. Mm-hmm. Like my buddy Doug and his wife Lori own two little radio stations just outside of Cleveland. Uh, what they pay to the PROs, yeah, uh, BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, and there's another big one now, Global. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. Based on their billing every month, they pay. It is a huge nut to crack. Four right. or five thousand dollars on this little radio station a month for the rights to play those. Mm-hmm. All, and I'm saying, I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it's totally unbalanced. It's unbalanced. That's what it is. It's not wrong. It's unbalanced. It's and, unbalanced. Uh, yeah. The uh, the the streaming platforms need to step up. We somehow we've got to get them. Uh, to pay their fair share, and I don't know how. I don't know what the answer is. I don't you know. know either. I mean, you know, it's it's government regulated on what our rates are. Yeah, but um, you know, they can plead that they're not making any money. But you know, and I don't, I don't know what your political beliefs are, y'all listening. But they pay Joe Rogan two hundred million dollars yeah. a year. Yeah, and they can't pay us. I mean, yeah, what? <laughs> yeah, doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make yeah, sense at it all. Does not at all. Well, let's get off the, the show. Hey, let's, let's, let's get back to music. Let's talk about music that we you, love. You've got this great new record out, and I've really been enjoying it. Listen, 11 new songs. Um, and like I said, a little bit for everyone. You've got, uh, you know, rockers, uh, like like you debuted on the, the, the last uh, time you were here, uh, Crossing the Rubicon, which is right. a great song. Uh, I, I, I really I really love uh, She Believed in Me, which is kind of slower. Uh, World Starts Closing In is one of my favorite tracks because it's, it's it got that riff, right. that kind of riff-oriented myself. That's Steve Allen. Steve Allen, that's your guy, right? Yeah, I say, come on, do something like Dire Straits would do yeah. or something like that. And he, okay. Yeah. yeah. And he does it, you yeah. know. And I'm hearing all these different influences like that throughout this record. And mm-hmm. I really want to encourage to, uh, people to, to get it and, uh, and listen. Um, how about playing another song from there? Yeah, uh-huh. I wanted it to be a, an eclectic thing. You yeah. Know? And so I think it ended up being that way. But I think uh, so, too. I think you got it. You know, uh, She Believed in Me was a song. Have I ever told you the story behind it? No, you never did. Okay, so um, my late wife... And I had been here in Nashville, Tennessee for a while, and I had some things happening, and I had some other things that kind of fell apart. And so the breaking point for me was I had a single coming out on a big artist, Mm -hmm. and back this was when they had records, you know, and it would be on the sticker, you know, featuring hit singles, blah, blah, blah. And so um, the album came out and had it on there, and it was supposed to be the second single, and my stepson was going to be going to college, so I... Being the songwriter I was, I had all the money spent already, you know, to pay for his college. That's where the money was going to go. And mm-hmm. the week before the single was supposed to come out, they changed it to something else. The 45 had been printed and everything. Oh, man. And so, of course, I was crushed because how am I going to pay for my stepson to go to college now? Oh, and um, so I went down into a deep funk, and um, I ended up... Uh, going to work for Joe Glazer, working on guitars for Mm. about six months, just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And one day I got a call from a a guy in Lexington, Kentucky, where I'm from, who owned a music store up there. And he had been like a second father to me, loaned me equipment and, you know, let me pay on time and all that stuff. And he said, hey, um, I'm going to get out of the business. I'm going to retire. I want you to 
move back to Lexington and run the store and I'm, I'll sell it to you, you know, over time. And I'm like, nice. this is great. I would wow. love to do that. And so I couldn't wait for my wife to get home. And she came home and I said, I mean, she's from Frankfort, Kentucky. And I said, hey, we get to move back to Lexington. You know, I can run this music store and I can own it. And she said, I didn't move here for you to move back home. Wow. And I was I was floored. I didn't think that would be the case at all. Oh my. And we were living out in Franklin, and I'd pretty much become recluse. And she said, we need to move back into Nashville, and you need to you know, get back into what you were doing. And I'm like, wow. okay. So we moved back into Nashville, and two weeks later I met Garth when wow. he was cleaning churches and selling boots. boots. But yeah. he wanted to sing demos in my demo studio. Oh, man. And that's how I met him. And, you know, the rest is history. So Wow. Um, what a special woman. Yeah, so yeah. when when uh, I was writing my uh, my Hall of Fame speech, I was I let Steve read it and some other people just to get their input. And Steve said, "Well, you need to write a, a song about that story, you know." And I'm like, "That's too close. I can't write a story about it, you know." But mm-hmm. uh, he just kept pressuring me to write it. So that's the uh, she believed in me. That's on that thing is wow. uh, because of him. I wouldn't have done it otherwise, you mm-hmm. know. And that's what a friend's there for, you know. And and uh, I love the way it turned out, and I love the way John Party's guys played on it. Mm. And uh, it was just uh, one of those stories that every songwriter should hear that, you know, right when you think it's the worst possible thing that's going to happen, something else comes along and changes it all around for you. But yeah, the great. one thing I wanted to do was you said you like Twilight Time. I do like that one, too. And, uh, you know, the funny thing about that is, uh, and this happens on most records that I do, but also records that I buy. It's like, uh, it's like the the silent little song on the record, mm-hmm. and um, it's the last song on the record, and it's kind of a slow thing. But Classic. so many people come up and go, "I love that song," yeah. you know. And uh, so when we were doing these shows, what I've ended up doing lately is I do a singer songwriter thing, but it's with the band where I tell the stories and then the band plays instead of me just playing. And so, uh, you know, we had our list of songs we were doing off the new record and the other record. And, uh, a bunch of people came up and said, next time do that twilight time thing. And so when you said it today, I thought, okay, that's 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 good. So I can do that one for you. You know, uh, actually, I want to hear both of those songs if you don't mind. So, but let me take a little break real quick and we'll be right back. Kent Blasey, our guest. Save big on brunch for mom all in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% lean ground sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You're listening to the Songwriter Connection, connecting with music makers and hearing their songs and stories. Now back to the show with your host, Dave Linehan. Hall of Fame songwriter Kent Blasey is our guest. He just set up two great songs that are on this new CD for the birds. And uh, go play one of them right now, right, Kent? All right, I'll play the one I was just talking about. She yeah. believed in me. Love and, it. Uh, this is a great song. I was trying to get like a... Mavis Staples, kind of Staples Sisters Brothers, yeah. Stacks feel on this. And cool. those guys came up with a really cool thing. So let's see. Mm-hmm. 
I was ready to quit I'd given up Said goodbye To the dream that I love She said let's pack it up She told me no She said I didn't move here For you to go back home She believed in me When I lost my way Oh, she believed in me Yes, she kept the faith When I no longer believed in myself She was the only one who could help Oh, she gave me the strength that I need Cause she believed in me picked me up when I was way past down It took her love for me to turn my world around And I know the reason for all I have today And every single miracle that's ever come my way Cause she believed in me When I lost my way Oh, she believed in me Yeah, she kept the faith When I no longer believed in myself She was the only one who could help Yeah, she gave me the strength that I need Cause she believed in me That's so nice. Kent Lazy, and that's from the new record, uh, the Birds for the Birds, but uh, done live around the dining room table of the Songwriter Connection podcast. You mentioned, uh, yeah, should write that song, but I'm too close to it. You mm-hmm. said, yeah, and it is hard. I, you know, my wife Patty would say, "You never write a song for me." Well, <laughs> I'd say laughingly, I'd say, "Well, it's because Brick House has been written already." There you go. You that's know. a good answer. <laughs> and also, it's just hard. It really is. And and I I so identify with that song. The first time I heard of it, I thought about Patty because she's the same way. You know, uh, we were living in Cincinnati and. I worked in, in radio there for you know twenty some years and, and ran a broadcast school and I got involved with NSAI and uh, was a coordinator for a little while and we, was coming down to Nashville to write a lot and meeting new friends so we had this idea rather than getting a hotel every time uh, maybe uh, put together a little writers room buy a condo or a little house down here make it a writers room that we can rent out Airbnb when we don't use it you know or a VRBO. Um, and I started looking very serious and, and one day we were on our, our deck, uh, in Cincinnati, uh, enjoying an adult. It was a gin, gin and tonic. <laughs> and she says, I have to tell you something. I go, well, what's the matter? She goes, I, I'm just not feeling this idea of buying a property there. I, I don't think I want to have a property that we're four hours away from, you know, and have somebody else running it. And I said, well, yeah, 
That's yeah, I understand. Mm-hmm. And and okay, well, well, we'll ditch that idea. And she goes, but I go, but what? She said, I wouldn't mind moving there. <laughs> I remember, so really, are we doing this? Right. And the more we thought about it, it seemed like the thing to do. And here we are, and it's worked out so amazingly wonderful. But it wasn't for her believing in me. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's very rare, Mm -hmm. you know, to have uh, anybody in your family think, well, you know, why don't we go to Nashville? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I tell every young artist and writer that I meet that's here, you got to be crazy to move here, (laughs) but you got to be crazy not to and wonder what would I have done if I didn't move here? And I mean, look at what you're doing, you know, and uh, it wouldn't have happened in Cincinnati. No, it it wouldn't have. I mean, I mean, we had a cut in Cincinnati, you know, right. uh, Chancey Williams and the younger brothers who are doing some magic, magical things. I think they're touring with uh, uh, Cody Johnson and I think party too. And, you know, they're doing some really cool things. So, I mean, we, you know, but being here is different. Yeah. You know, there's an energy here that's nowhere else. And uh, there is a community of writers that get it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, soon uh, after coming here, my writing schedule is full, you know, trying right. to get, you know, fit them in. Because you want to write with different people, and, and, and it just grows. And we were so harsh on the uh, heart. I was uh, on the last segment talking about where the industry is today. But I think, put all that aside, if you're a songwriter and you have that passion for it, mm-hmm. that's not the reason you're doing it anyway. It shouldn't right. be, right? Yeah, right. I mean... I mean, it's nice if that happens, and that's great. Um, but and there are other ways. I mean, um, you, you know, a lot of people are they're, they're you know I'm going to record these songs myself. I've mm-hmm. got great songs, right? And there are um, venues uh, uh, to do that. I mm-hmm. mean, one nice thing about the way the internet is is today uh, is a lot of these do do it yourself artists are are making a nice income touring doing it themselves doing it themselves yeah. so i played a show with a young girl uh a benefit at the bluebird and she's huge on tiktok yeah TikTok. and um she said i don't even want a record deal huh. i make more money just being on tiktok and anywhere i travel and tour in the country tiktok people show up they know and so it's a whole new world you know it's a different world than mine but if it works for the young artist i'm all for it and the ones who know how to work it yeah. Can can do pretty good. I'll tell you one that knows how. She was recently a guest was was Allie Colleen. Oh yeah. 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 And she talked about how you know, she likes to she likes the TikTok kids as she called them. Right. It, it, it feeds her, she says, you know. Um it satisfies her. Yeah, you know, and so. that that's uh, that young twenty something yeah. group, they know how to do all that stuff. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. So <laughs> where does that leave us? Uh well <laughs> My only TikTok's on my watch, so, you know. <laughs> Mine, too. <laughs> I had a social media person say, do you have a TikTok? I go, no. You got to get a TikTok. TikTok. Ah, you know, maybe someday. <laughs> well, the sad part is, you know, I talk to a lot of these young artists, and what the record label wants more than anything is social numbers. Yes. More than the music or anything else, you know? And, and, and when, when I was here in town, people worked their way up in the music business that wanted to be artists by singing demos. Yeah. And uh, they got heard by the record labels. Well, now it's how many social numbers do you have, whether we're interested in signing you or not. And uh, so I see so many of them, instead of being creative, they're on their computer all the time figuring out how to get their numbers up. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's not bad or good or whatever. It's just a different way of doing things. the way things. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the same with when you're pitching a song? Uh, do they want to know the numbers? Is that out there? Is that getting... Scared? They want to know who you wrote it with. Ah. You know, and mm-hmm. uh, if it's a big name, then it sounds better to them. Mm. 
I see. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes yeah. sense. You know, they want to go with somebody who's got a track record. But uh-huh. I always found that interesting. Well, who'd you write that with? You know, well, do you like it or not? Well, who'd you write it with? So, yeah. yeah. that yeah. Who's your track guy? <laughs> well, that's the new thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I had a friend who was trying to get a record deal. Well, actually, he was trying to get a publishing deal. And he's had like three or four number ones. And the two questions were, who's your track guy? Mm-hmm. And the second one is, what artist can you write with? Ah. Uh-huh. And so it's like, okay. So all these songs I brought you, it doesn't matter if they moved you or not. What matters are those two questions. That's, that's, that's different. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. I want it to be about the song. Don't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The song. And maybe that's why we're not hearing those, those pull off the side of the road songs as much anymore. uh, Because they're forcing it with the, you know, that those 360 deals in those artists. So, um, I don't want to believe that's true, but it seems well, like and it so, maybe is. You know, we just have to be the ones that write those songs. We just have and to. And maybe every once in a while, like I drive your truck or uh, yeah. house that built me. I thought that would open a door again. Yeah. And it, it really didn't, but those, those shone like bright lights in the middle of everything else, you know? Yeah. So every now and then, they still yeah, every they, now and they then, come, and you know, through. it may swing back more the other way. I think if you're a songwriter, it, here's what I think, and just my my humble opinion, um, think less about uh, who you want to write for and think about how you're going to write a great song. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. Who's this? Who are we writing for today? Are we writing for Sync today? Let's write a Sync song. Well, yeah. I, I see you've Let's been write in a that good room. song. Yeah. Let's write a good song, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Am I wrong? <laughs> You know, I don't think you are, but uh, it's it's just a different world, you know. It is and, a different world. I love getting your take because Hall of Famer, you've been there, you've done it, and uh, you've written for everything. And it's uh, just how do you feel at the end of the day or the end of the week? Yeah, at what you've accomplished that week and what you've written, you know. And uh, yeah, it's the other thing is you know, and, and this was happening back in the nineties too. They have these young artists writing with so many people that you know twice a day writes and stuff and it gets where they yeah. don't even remember monday what they wrote what did i write by friday days? you know and uh, <laughs> so some things get missed i can't tell you what that. i had for dinner two days ago <laughs> can i tell you what song <laughs> yeah you know right i hear you yeah i mean hundreds of songs you know a year what are you gonna do with them all <laughs> right yeah that's so. exactly right and how many of them do you remember you know and so, quality, right? Yeah, but sometimes the quantity um, strength, strengthens you as a writer. So, oh, well, I that's exactly that. true. I mean, yeah. you know, I saw that with Kim Williams when he moved to town. He wrote uh, seven days a week, yeah. four times a day. Seven days a week. Yes, he did four and times four a day. Four times a day with anybody and everybody who would write with him. Incredible. And uh, so, in about five years, he was songwriter of the year two years in a row for ASCAP. How about that. But it was he was I never willing to put in the work, you know, yeah. and he wasn't afraid to work. No, not and, at all. Mm. And he was eat up by it, as they say. You know, he yeah. after being burned over ninety percent of his body, he decided yeah. God wanted him to be a songwriter. So that's something. He moved yeah. here, and he was going to do it, whatever it took. He's a hall of famer too now, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So great songwriter. Three Wooden Cross is one of them. That oh God, you know that won every award yeah. that a song can win. Gospel. Yeah. Country, Grammys, the whole bit. So Again, drive off the road song. Exactly. When you see that payoff, when you hear that payoff, it's just wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first time you hear that song. He yeah. liked to kill people. He did. In his songs, yeah. <laughs> Papa Love Mama. You yes, know. right. He, uh, he sure did, didn't he? he said, <laughs> but they're fictional people. It's okay. Yeah, he said they don't kill people much anymore, you know. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> 
I just flashed back to your story about uh, uh, if tomorrow never comes. And you told Garth, it's, it's great, but you're killing him in the first line. Yeah, song. exactly. Where are you going to go? Where are you going? They're dead. They're dead. Song's over. You know, yeah. Well, how about you play that Twilight time as we wind down? Kent Blazy, so good to talk with you. Oh, man, always. You're yeah. so amazing at what you do. Uh, you make it fun, you make it easy, which is what it's supposed to be, you know? Oh, That's man. What, Jack, I love talking to you, man. Jack Clement said, if we're not having fun, we're not doing our job. So, <laughs> Got to agree with that. So this was kind of, I wanted it to be kind of like the band, you know. Uh, I always loved the feels that they had on things. And yeah. it's, and they did an album called Moondog Matinee that had a lot of 50s stuff on it because, of course, they were all influenced by that. But So I was kind of trying to aim for the band meets the 50s all right <laughs> and it is funny that this is a song that a lot of people love at the end of the record who yeah. knew you know yeah twilight time and this world yours and mine the beauty of this moment is so sublime holding you in twilight time twilight time oh it feels like heaven in your arms mesmerized girl by all your charms holding you in twilight time twilight time in that golden hour surrendered to the love and we In harmony, the song of you and me Just waiting to be sung Twilight time Our two bodies so entwined Floating on a feeling so undefined So fine Holding you in twilight time Twilight time In that golden hour Surrender to the love And we feel its power Two hearts in harmony The song of you and me just waiting to be sung Twilight time And this world Is yours and mine Floating on a feeling so Undefined Holding you Twilight time Holding you Twilight time. Oh, yeah. 
Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Love the ending. Thank you. Where are the platters when you need them? I know. That right? would be great for them. Wouldn't that be great? Mm-hmm. Awesome song. And you're going to love it on the record, which is called For the Birds. Uh, it's the last track, track number 11. Kent Blasey, our guest. And awesome. De- Dennis Mikowski played all the keyboards on oh, that. Oh, yeah. And well, uh, he just did an amazing job on that song. Well, all of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, great great B3 player. Yeah. And great songwriter. Wrote Maniac, oh, maniac. among other things. Maniac. That one there, wow. Yeah, how about that? How about that? And, uh, so he's always generous about playing on the records and I love what he does so he just turned that into something totally different that's fantastic Mm -hmm. Kent Blasey has been our guest you'll see him in the uh, if you come to Nashville visit the Songwriter Hall of Fame you'll see him in there and um, good to have you here really is nice to have you good to be back glad you're good Uh glad I'm good we'll do it again sometime hopefully I hope so yeah I'll start working on a new record so we can absolutely let's do it thank you for listening to the Songwriter Connection podcast Find us on social media at Songwriter Connection. Also listen to Dave Lanahan's Nashville Connections radio show. It streams live every Friday morning on WOBL and WNOI. Look for us on Facebook and YouTube. See you next time on Songwriter Connection.